Food Heals Nation, what have you been doing lately when it comes to truly caring for your skin? Have you tried any of the light therapy facials or the LED masks? I've shared on this show how I use lasers to completely remove my brown spots in the past, and I love anything that can help me with wrinkles or blemishes or redness or scars. I find a lot of great products on YouTube that I test out, and I've just discovered a new brand. It's called Lima, and when you see the before and afters on YouTube, you're going to be a convert too. They are changing the way that you care for your skin on actually a profoundly scientific level. This is the Lima laser. It's the world's most powerful clinic grade cosmetic laser device and the only laser FDA cleared for at home use. Why this is important is because I was spending, I'm not going to tell you how much, way too much money years ago when I was getting rid of those brown spots when I was really healing my skin. And now This same type of technology is available at home, and I'm here for it. I am so excited. So this is a near-infrared laser light that penetrates deep into the dermis, simultaneously working on your fat, muscle, and bone to give you like a non-surgical facelift. It transforms your skin. It helps skin issues like wrinkles, sagging, blemishes, pigmentation, redness, breakouts, and scars. And it does this with zero damage, zero pain, and zero downtime. And I remember the lasers that I used to do, they did have some downtime, so this is great. Make sure to check out some of the before and after photos on the website so you can see what I'm talking about. They have YouTube videos too. But the reason it's groundbreaking is it uses that near-infrared low-level light technology, which is completely cold and painless, and it's 100 times more powerful than an LED. And the craziest part is you can even use it with a full face of makeup. So check it out for yourself. Visit lima.life. L is for live. Y is for younger. M is for masterful. A is for approved, and learn more about the Lima Laser. If you're interested in trying one today, you can sign up for their newsletter. Tell them that Food Heals sent you, and please let me know if you order one. I want to hear about your results. Again, it's lima.life, L-Y-M-A dot life. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Food Heals Podcast, episode 143. People who have switched to like a vegan diet. I mean, I had a guy, Dr. Doug Graham, who was on the show a while back. He was talking about his vegan diet and how he hadn't been sick in like 20 years or something like that. Talk about how much food had actually healed his life. It's really important if you're looking to overcome a problem like depression. Holistic Voice presents the Food Heals Podcast with your hosts, Alison Melody and Susie Hardy. Join the Food Heals Nation and learn the secrets to go from feeling unwell to healing yourself. Warning, side effects of this podcast may include increased health and vitality, thoughts of living longer, an increase in sexual activity, feelings of joy, cravings for kale and quinoa, and a spike in Tinder matches. In real cases, women have experienced a strong desire to stop asking their boyfriends if they look fat and stress. If you experience any of these symptoms, post a selfie to Instagram immediately. Welcome, Food Heals Nation. Thanks for joining us. I'm Allison Melody. And I'm Susie Hardy. Today's guest is Justin Senstrom. 
Justin is a nationally acclaimed life coach, author, entrepreneur, and speaker. He is the founder of EliteManMagazine.com and the host of the Elite Man podcast on iTunes. Justin created Elite Man Magazine as a place for men to learn and improve themselves in all aspects of life, whether that's personal, social, or business development. Elite Man Magazine is the best resource for men to become complete gentlemen. And we need more of those in yes, our lives. Yes, we do. We need gentlemen. <laughs> gentlemen are very important. Chivalry is not dead, is it, Suze? I don't... I <laughs> she don't. had to take a long pause <laughs> to answer that. Uh, I don't want to think that it is, no. It's not dead in our lives, so hopefully there's other men out there that can learn, learn these tips and tools. But it's true. I think that... I, I know for myself, I have always loved self-improvement. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of falling now towards the men in our, you know, in our world where they're like, oh, I, there's things I can work on myself too, not just dressing cool and getting a promotion. You know, there's I, other I, aspects of life to work on. I totally agree. And you're seeing more men in my, I, I do a lot of self-improvement seminars and conferences, let's say, and there are more and more men showing up. There are more and more men in my yoga class. Mm-hmm. There are more and more men in meditation, even teaching meditation, teaching yoga. And not that those are the only way to improve yourself, but it's just a, kind of an example of how it's not only women anymore that are that are doing this. So mm-hmm. that's great. And, mm-hmm. you know, Justin's on the forefront of that. So that's really cool. But before we get to our interview with Justin, we have to tell you about today's sponsor. Today's sponsor is none other than our very favorite, the Global Healing Center, the one-stop shop for all of your natural needs. You know who they are. We talk about them all the time. They've got tons of... For good reason. For good reason. You know, I shop there. My husband shops there. My whole family shops there. Everyone who has gotten a swag bag from us is like, thank you. I am so grateful for these products. They have tons of health-boosting products like their Vegan Safe B12, which tastes delicious. It's essential for anyone on a plant-based diet to get that extra nutrient, and I just love it. I take it every day. They have their Harmful Organisms Kit to help you cleanse and eliminate any of those nasty parasites. Remember that episode? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Number 113, Foodles Nation. <laughs> if you've not checked it out, please do. <laughs> please do. Uh, and if you... <laughs> We're not yes. going to say what was in that episode because it is quite disturbing. Well, people love it too. People love kind of, you know, because it happens. People want to know that they have parasites and how to get them out. And so the Global Healing Center can help with that. And episode 113 with Megan Brophy can help with that. Can help with that. Yes. And as well, you can get a massive 20% discount on all Global Healing Center products with the coupon code food heals that's right 20 percent off i mean that's a good deal i order everything from them i'm telling you you know and i have to i have to just say this to our listeners i was introduced to them because you brought them on and we tried some of their products and i'm very particular because i've been in the healing and natural foods industry for a long time and they're great yeah their products are great so we're not just saying this. They really work, and they're really phenomenal products. Yeah, they really work. And I like getting vitamins and everything like that from a trusted source. And Dr. Group has his own personal healing story. And so when someone behind a company has their own personal healing story, you tend to buy into what they're selling a little bit more. And so we're going to have him on the podcast as well. But check it out, globalhealingcenter.com, coupon code FOODHEALS. Next up, our interview with Justin. The Food Hills Podcast starts now. Today we're here with an awesome guest, Justin Stenstrom. Once anxious, insecure, depressed, and unhappy, Justin has overcome many of life's obstacles and loves nothing more than helping others do the same. Welcome, Justin. Hey, thanks so much, Allison and Susie. Glad to be here. 
Thanks for being here. So you're a fellow podcaster. How did you get started in the podcasting world? Uh, I just I got started about two and a half years ago. Just kind of did it to uh, try something new. I was blogging at the time, getting a little bored with it. And uh, I was listening to some of the big shows and I decided, um, you know, why not try it? Give it a shot. See how it goes. Um, and quickly fell in love with it, you know, just getting on the microphone, connecting with other people, getting to interview some of the top people around the world and build relationships with them was really cool. And I kind of immediately realized that it was something I, I enjoyed doing. Yeah, it's really interesting because I discovered that first when I was behind the camera and I was in production. I still am, but I would be interviewing people and I'd be like, oh, this is how I'm making all these great connections. And then podcasting took it to the next level because unlike the filmmaking where you have to be there in person, you can reach out on podcasting and interview people and talk to people and meet people anywhere across the world, which is incredible. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's so cool. Next week, actually, I have an interview with uh, Kevin Harrington from Shark Tank. Cool. Really cool. I love that show. Yeah, that's a good show. Yeah, love that guy. I mean, I've been following that guy for years, and you know, he's he's almost like a billionaire or something. He's like one Wait, of the richest sharks. Wait, that's Mr. Wonderful, there. isn't it? No, that's uh, Mr. Wonderful's a bald guy. This is actually the guy that was in like season one, and I think two. He's no longer doing it. He's, oh, okay. he's moved on to other stuff. But he was he was actually one of the richer sharks on there. But I mean, try to think of getting this guy in like a half hour, an hour call, how much that would cost somebody to actually do. But because like we got a podcast, it's like so easy to connect with somebody like that these days. Yes, Absolutely. I love that. All right. So what is Elite Man Magazine? Elite Man Magazine is the website I have. Um, it's basically just a collection of advice for men. So we cover business advice, we cover health, fitness, dating advice, confidence, so all sorts of uh, topics that men need to know about these days. We try to give them the best advice on it. And what what drew you to creating this? Was it your own research that you were working on yourself for? Or what was the impetus to start it? Yeah, the the impetus started uh, started for me about eight nine years ago. I went through a big transformational period. Uh, I overcame depression, anxiety, panic attacks, having no confidence, no dating life, and slowly transitioned. Uh, I mean, it took me about two three years to really get over that. But um, after I got over it, I transitioned into helping other guys who were kind of going through the same struggles. And then slowly after that, created my first blog and then kind of, you know, it snowballed into the Elite Man magazine eventually and then the podcast. So how did you overcome depression? That's what everyone wants to know. (laughs) It's one of the hardest things. I mean, we joke about it, but everyone I know suffers from some form of self-loathing or depression or anxiety or anxiety. And how do we overcome it? (laughs) So I got nine steps here. I'll just give you them quick. And then um, if you want to follow up on any of them or, you know, reach out to me, you certainly can um, at any point. So just kind of running right through them. Step number one is realize you're not going crazy. This is a big thing for a lot of people. They think there's something wrong with them or, you know, that there's not a solution, but it's actually really common. As you just mentioned, a lot of people have depression at some point in their lives and it helps to kind of realize that there's many solutions out there and that you're normal. You're not going crazy. Step number two is, can is I, using, sorry, yeah, I'm yeah, going to stop. I'm going to talk about each step. There's no way we're yeah, going to Maybe this, this will just blast the whole so episode. I have to say something <laughs> about that. I really appreciate step number one because especially in today's world where we can go on Instagram and Facebook and look at everyone's so-called perfect life and compare ourselves and feel more and more alone and siloed when the truth is that half those people no like posting I mean yeah 85% yeah 
All those people posting <laughs> their perfect lives are just as depressed, down in the dumps, scared, and fearful as you are. And we are not alone. Everyone has self-doubt. Well, we're living in such an interesting time, modern society, or we, you know, we're programmed for, I guess, thousands of years ago, where technology is moving so rapidly, our society is moving so rapidly, and then we're not, our, our biology is not catching up, and mm-hmm. and there's many reasons for depression and anxiety. I feel like they're a flip side of of the same coin. Do you find that, Justin? Yeah, actually, a lot of these steps I'm going to share with you are, are actually conducive to overcoming panic attacks and anxiety, which is something I faced as well. So yeah, th- I mean, they go hand in hand for sure. All right, what's step number two? So number two is use a combination or uh, one of either hypnosis, self-hypnosis, meditation, or yoga, which I'm big on all three of. But personally, I, I uh, tend to use hypnosis for myself and what I did. We love hypnosis. We love meditation. What was the third one? Yoga. Oh, please, Justin, you're speaking our language. Um, <laughs> how how do you self self hypnotize? You know, we've had a hypnotist on, and we talked about going to a hypnotist. But how do you mm-hmm. self hypnotize? It's actually really easy. It's a lot easier than you might think. There's there's two ways to really do it. There's actually a book you can read, or, or you know, many books out there, self-hypnotizing books. Um, you actually read the words, and when you're reading them aloud, believe it or not, you put yourself into a trance, and like you say the script, and kind of the same script that a hypnotist would use, but you read it out loud, and it actually can hypnotize your mind in the exact same way. But the way I actually prefer, which is a little easier and, and I think a little more effective, is just popping in... Um, MP3 headphones or CD player, whatever it is, and then just listening to a hypnotist as if he were right in front of you. Um, and that works really effectively. I mean, these are like 20, 30 minute sessions and, you know, they put you into a really highly suggestible, relaxed state of mind. And as you know, they, uh, you know, the hypnosis that's going on feeds you these positive affirmations and suggestions to improve your emotional well-being or feelings. It reminds me of a lot of the uh, meditation MP3s that I do, which are just music and people speaking to me. But what are some resources or do you have them on your website that you can recommend for people to listen to, like some self-hypnosis? Some of the the resources I've used and people I've worked with um, include Dr. Andrew Dobson. He He runs a site called, I believe, MindFit Hypnosis. Um, really great guy. I had him on the show once and that's the guy I used to overcome depression and anxiety, but he sells like $10 MP3s on his site and they're all really good. Another guy is, um, Dr. Dave Hill, who he's uh, considered one of the world's greatest hypnotists. Paul McKenna, a guy out where you guys, I believe are from is, is really big. Richard Bandler is another guy. Any one of these guys are really effective. I mean, just look up somebody. You don't have to be any one of the people I mentioned, but just someone who's accredited and has, you know, legitimate stuff. If they're selling stuff for, you know, to grow taller or grow your hair back, they're probably not, um, you know, legitimate people to, uh, to look <laughs> into, but, uh, any of these other guys are really effective. That's great. Step number three. Step number three is living in the present moment. I'm a huge Eckhart Tolle fan. And, you know, like you mentioned earlier, anxiety, panic attacks, depression, they all go hand in hand. When you're living in a time that's not present, you typically tend to have these problems with either worrying about the future, like, you know, anxiety, panic attacks, thinking something's going to happen, projecting yourself into the future, or regretting something that happened in your past or thinking that you should have done something differently. And when you do these things... I.e. Like, I. depression. 
yeah, i.e. depression pops up because you're not living in what's now. You're not having gratitude about what you have right now. You're projecting yourself in the future or regretting things in the past. And when you regret those things in the past, the depression starts to build up inside you because you can't focus on what's in front of you and what's happening right now. So I'm big on on listening to Eckhart Tolle and just kind of being in, in what's happening right now and just what's in front of you is what you have because that's all we really have at the end of the day. And Oh, sorry, Allie. Did you want to say something? Nothing. The power of now changed my life. That's all. <laughs> what I was going to say is um, I suffered from, de- I think I actually suffered from depression ever and, pa- and panic attacks for sure since I was a child, since I was about nine. Um, it runs in my family and the anxiety came later in life. But when I was in therapy and I f- discovered that depression is looking over your shoulder and regretting the past mm-hmm. and anxiety is fear of the future, it was like a huge cartoon anvil moment on my head where I was like, ding, <laughs> oh my God, that's totally true. And when when I realized that and thought it's all about getting in the present and my brain was constantly working to either worry about the future or <laughs> regret the past. And if I could find methods, and there's many different ways to get yourself present, exercise, meditation, yoga, finding things that are... are mindfulness. Mindfulness, things that bring you joy. Um, certain, you know, there's many different ways. But when, when those things get you into the present, for me, that was very key. And it was a huge realization. So I love that that you advocate that as well. Yeah, no, I, I love that. I mean, just being able to sort of get an understanding of what it actually means to live in the present moment and then kind of grasping your head around the, the realization of living in the now and and that these problems typically arise when you're not living in the now, when you're projecting into the future, or when you're regretting the past or something that you missed out on or something that you couldn't do. Like just kind of understanding that simple concept has been a game changer for me and is a game changer for a lot of the uh, the people I work with. It is one of the first books, The Power of Now, that taught me about the concept of mindfulness and being in the present moment where before my attitude was like, this is bullshit. I'm just being straight up honest. And that (laughs) book was one of the first ones that kind of changed my perspective. So I have to give a shout out to Eckhart. I totally agree with you. And the whole idea of the false self of the ego, which is constantly trying to control. And I understand that it's protection. Mm -hmm. But when we remove ourselves from that, we can be fully present and aware and mindful of what is happening, whether it is our mind is controlling right now and we can be aware of that. That's the step that you can take to find inner peace Mm -hmm. and change your life. It's it's these simple, simple little things that will make the grand change that we're all looking for when we are anxious and depressed. And I'm speaking to myself as well. It's almost like removing the veil or, you know, it's like babies and animals are the already there. Eyes. Lift the veil. Yeah, they're already <laughs> the man there. Behind the curtain. And that's why they're so that's I I think for myself that's at least why I love being around children or petting a dog is because they don't have that. Yeah. They're in the moment. So true. Mm-hmm. All right, let's step number 4. Uh, so step number four is, I mean, this is kind of right up your alley, uh, is just exercising, getting out and and moving around. I think as human beings, as entrepreneurs, people who kind of, I mean, especially in this new microwave society where we're always on the go, but we typically don't put away time to exercise, it can catch up to us. Um, you know, we work a lot of hours, we work more, we sleep less, but we don't put away time to actually exercise. And, and as you mentioned a couple minutes ago as well, we got these genes in us 
biologically from hundreds of thousands of years ago. And hundreds of thousands of years ago, our ancestors were constantly moving around, doing physical activity. You know, maybe they didn't lift dumbbells or running for their lives. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but, but they were running for their lives. They were fighting off animals. They were fighting each other for survival. So all these things are ingrained in us, and we have to exercise to have well-being. There's a, there's a bunch of studies out there that show that working out consistently is equal to or better than antidepressants. I mean, that just right there should give you enough reason. For anyone listening to the show who's a little down or maybe depressed, that alone should give you enough reason to exercise consistently. So I recommend exercising four to five times a week. Cardio, actually, Dr. Amen always talks about this. Um, he talks about uh, getting re- regular cardio exercise, like if you can every day, like 30 minutes, which is you know really not that much. But the effects on the brain is just incredible. He does these MRI scans, functional MRI scans, and the blood flow to the brain and the uh, neurotransmitters that are activated and, um, you know, the serotonin levels that go up and all these other feel-good hormones in the body that, I mean, they just all get better when you exercise. And, you know, the, the science is, is proving this more and more just how effective it can be. So I was, um, I saw a really accredited, respected, expensive shrink in New York City mm-hmm. who was helping me with my depression and was floored when he was the one who actually, you know, I was expecting him to say, well, you can, you're going to need to get back on. I wasn't on antidepressants. I had been on them. And I thought, oh, he's going to tell me to go back on drugs. And he said, well, you know, the science now says that if you get at least 30 minutes of, of uh, exercise where it's raising your heart rate and you're getting a good sweat every day, it's as effective as antidepressants. And I was floored because I was expecting him to just write me a prescription and send me out the door. And when I actually did it, when I actually said, I'm going to do this, because when your brain is the thing that func- that takes control of everything and says, nah, we're just going to sit on the couch instead of, no, we should go for a run, it can be a little bit challenging. But if you actually can make that commitment and get over it and actually do it, it does work. I speak from my own personal experience. It was amazing that I heard this doctor say this to me. Yeah. Yeah, that's incredible. I'm I'm glad you can back that uh, study up, or at least have that hands-on experience of of how it worked. And, and like you said too, when you actually did it, it worked. But the tough thing is actually doing it. And I you know even for me, I try to yeah, I tell people this stuff all day. And I know I know the research. I know it's there. But even some days, it's like you know I skip out on the gym, and then like the next day I feel like crap. It's really the kind of act of doing and making sure you kind of fit this into your schedule. Well, when you know better, you do better. So for me, it was like realizing, just like you guys are saying, the uh, power of exercise on my mood. Everyone wants six-pack abs and look good, right? Not only on my body, but on my mood and how I was feeling and on my energy Or even just how you feel about yourself, right? So depression to me is like anger turned inward. That was another one that that I learned. It's like, oh, really? I'm angry at myself? It's like you turn it inward on yourself. And if it's self-care, if you're doing it, yeah, we all want six-pack abs, and that's great if it's a side effect, but if you're doing it just for the sake of getting out there and moving, and who knows what's going to happen, whether it be you know, really, really um, strenuous exercise or, or just gentle yoga, at least you're doing it, for, you're moving for yourself, it will change your mood. It mm-hmm. will help you. Yeah, those endorphins. Yeah. So step five is improving your sleep, which we kind of touched upon uh, briefly a minute ago. Getting seven to nine hours of sleep is going to do a lot of things for your body and brain, but the least of which is improve your depression. You need sleep. You, I mean, everybody knows this. You need sleep. We all talk about it all the time, but we're typically undersleeping 
and typically, like I mentioned, always on the go. So working more hours, sleeping less, our stress is going up. The cortisol levels are shooting through the roof. The serotonin levels are dipping down. The dopamine levels are dipping down. The happiness, feel good sort of hormones in our body are going down with sleep. It's so imperative that we get seven to nine hours of sleep and really put away the time and dedicate the time throughout the day to, to making sure we, we make this happen. And what do you say to people that, that may be depressed or guys that may be depressed that are sleeping even more than that if they can, if say they're, you know, entrepreneurs or don't have to get up at a certain time, um, is too much, is, is there a point where there's too much sleep? Yeah. So they say seven to nine hours and you can kind of feel your way out through this. You know, some people do better on seven, some people do better on nine. And then there's that like, you know, 1% of the population, which this probably isn't anybody listening because it's so little, um, even less than actually 1% that does good on like four hours of sleep. But for everyone else, it's seven to nine hours of sleep. If you go over that, you're actually doing some damage, like your melatonin gets out of whack, your serotonin gets out, your cortisol gets out of whack, and you can actually go backwards. So like everything, you kind of have to scale it out and do the right amount. There is such thing as oversleeping. There is such thing as overdoing it. Like anything else, moderation is typically the key. And studies and science points to seven to nine hours as, as being sort of that sweet spot that uh, that sleeping is. What's your magic number? Uh, that's a good question. I, I do best on like eight hours. So like right in the middle, sometimes I'll do like, you know, seven and a half and feel good. But if I do like nine, if I get up to that higher nine mark, I kind of feel like I'm a little tired for the first few hours of waking up. Then I'll kind of like bounce back a little bit. So I try to shoot for like eight. I need nine. And I know this about myself. If I get eight, I will be tired by four o'clock. If I get 10, it's too many and I'll be tired again. Nine is my magic number. So That's your magic figure number? out your magic number. That's my biggest advice because I feel like sleep was so hard for me because I always felt like I never had enough. And then if I would get like 10 or 11, I'd be like, it's never enough. And I realized that it was too much. So everyone probably has their own threshold, right? So for me, it's nine. Yeah, no, I agree. Everyone does have their threshold. And it's funny too, because if I get like seven or maybe just under seven, it's like I have more energy for the first couple hours. Like I'm actually at my best for like a couple hours, but then I'll like crash. So yeah. it only la it only lasts for a few hours. It's almost like the uh, the cortisol is like what's pumping me through. And like that stress is like, I'm like wide awake, almost like if I had some caffeine or something, but then I'll like crash for the rest of the day. So I found that like eight hours will kind of like continuously regulate me throughout the day. Totally. And I feel like eight hours is what is mostly touted. So it's probably best for like most people. But when I was doing eight hours, I was exhausted. And so for me, I had to discover it was nine. So I just encourage anyone listening, like figure out what it is for you. Mm -hmm. All right. So step number six. And as you can see, a lot of these steps are really, I mean, there's nothing like crazy sticking out, like you have to do any crazy life changes or do some weird diet or anything like that. It's just basic stuff that a lot of people overlook. So step number six is improving your diet, getting the good fats, the good protein, the good carbs. And then for the protein, you want to get as much, you know, healthy protein as possible. Uh, I know you guys are a plant-based podcast or getting the healthy versions of that plant-based protein is definitely optimal for your listeners. And and can do wonders for you, you know, staying away from the kind of junk protein out there that you'll see so many times, whether you're in the grocery store, or whether you're getting low quality like protein supplements, things like that. It just really comes down to optimizing what you're putting into your body and getting the right sources of each macronutrient. Absolutely. And, you know, for us, we always say, obviously, our podcast is called Food Heals, but that food heals. But just like the sleep, as we were talking about, 
not every food heals every person and people have different food allergies. Like one of my good friends is vegan, gluten-free, and can't eat almonds. Okay. She's screwed. (laughs) I'm kidding. (laughs) No, it's cashews. But she comes (laughs) over and I forget about the almond thing or I forget about the uh, gluten thing. But the point is, is that she feels and looks fantastic because she has figured out what works for her. Now, I don't have a problem with almonds or cashews or any type of nuts, but some people do. Some people have celiac. So it's really about figuring out what your body is going to absorb the most of and what it's not going to take. Some people have no problem with gluten. Some people gluten is their worst nightmare, right? And so we all have to figure out like, what is it? And then there's certain things like I used to think that broccoli and cauliflower was for everyone. Did you know that those two vegetables cause a lot of people a ton of gas? Because their body isn't processing it? Yes. Well, I didn't know that. (laughs) But now I know that. And the point is that you have to find out what fruits and vegetables work for you, what proteins work for you. You know, you know what I just learned stuff. this week, though? You could all, you could take digestive enzymes if that is an issue for you. Oh, and I you take can digestive also, enzymes every day. Did you guys day. know this? I just learned this um, from a friend of mine who is an acupuncturist that you can take charcoal, activated charcoal supplements to reduce gas if you get gassy from vegetables or whatever. That is good to know. I didn't know that. I, cool. just, I learned that just this weekend. I do take activated charcoal. I do take digestive enzymes with every cooked meal uh, because I don't believe that our bodies completely are able to break down cooked food uh, just because of the processing of all the food and evolution. Uh, But when I take the digestive enzymes, my body feels better. The the diet, obviously, you guys are all about food here. You guys are all about eating healthy. So I I don't think your audience has to worry too much about this, but uh, maybe there's some listeners out there who don't have an optimized diet, or maybe they're eating junk, or maybe they're going to uh, McDonald's or Burger King a couple times a week. Like, obviously, cutting that food out, cutting that crap out of your system is going to do wonders for you. People who have switched to like a vegan diet, I mean, people talk. I had a guy, Dr. Doug Graham, who was on the show a while back, and he he was talking about his uh, his vegan diet and how he hadn't been sick in like 15 years or 20 years or something like that. You know, it was really incredible to listen to this guy and just talk about how much food had actually healed his life and all the illness because he was getting sick all the time before that. But how much it healed his his illnesses, his his level of just getting sick all the time. So. Um, You guys know this better than anybody, how much food can impact your life. And it's really important if you're looking to overcome a problem like depression. Also, don't make out with strangers. (laughs) (laughs) I'm saying that half for comedic value and half for like, I'm just thinking about like, you know, I'm, well, you know, just thinking about bacteria and microbes and, you know, don't make out with strangers in bars. Okay. Moving on. Susie, who's making out with, (laughs) did you used to make out with strangers in bars? Who are you talking to? When I was single. No, no, no. No. Don't lie to me. <laughs> Tell me the truth. I'm just trying to bring some levity to it. No, All but of us women have just, had a bar well, make out. Also, so have the guys. Well, also, if you have children, I, everybody I know who has kids gets sick every year because God bless them, those kids are little microbes of of bacteria that just, you know, if they go to school and stuff. So it's, it's, it's very interesting if, you know, um, I haven't been sick in a while. I've been married. I'm not Just- making out with strangers and I don't have children yet. So Justin, have you had a bar make out? Oh, many times, yes. <laughs> when was the last time you were sick? Huh? When was the last time you had a cold? 
<laughs> I get sick all the time. Oh, <laughs> player. Are you single? This is what's happening. No, no I, I haven't had a bar make out in years. I actually, I've been in a relationship for two and a half years, but oh. I still get oh. sick all the time, strangely. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Still no, we still, I mean, you know what? To be honest, like I also view the minor colder flu uh, as sometimes your, your immune system needs a workout. Like, you know, if you're eating relatively healthy and you're kind of taking garlic supplements or you're doing the right thing, you're exercising, getting your sleep, sometimes you do need to get sick. It's actually a work, like your immune system kind of reboots that way. We're not meant to never get sick. I, I don't, I've never met someone like that. And don't we, this is not my area of expertise, so you guys can correct me. But don't we need to be exposed to the germs and the toxic substances in trace small amounts in order to develop the immunity to them? Yes. So there's all this talk about women and people who are overly taking care of, like, let's say their baby, and they have them in the most sterile Antibacterial wipes and right. stuff like that. And then the babies are sick all the time yep. because they haven't been exposed to yep. the proper... And I'm not an expert about this. This is just what I've been reading, and I'm shocked because I'm like, that's how I'm going to be. I'm going to be the mom that's, like, super crazy. And no, like, you can't do that. Uh, yeah. Actually, you know what they say? Um, if you want your kids to not have allergies, they say get a dog. Yeah, I've never had an allergy my whole Me life, neither. and I grew up with dogs and cats. Play in dirt a little bit. Let your kids yep. play in dirt because it exposes them on, on minute levels to let their uh, immune system build those resistances, whereas I actually had a best friend growing up where they were very antibacterial. They were always on pharmaceuticals. If you had a sniffle, take a cold medicine, and they were always sick. My family lived on vitamin C. We totally played in dirt. We were not that <laughs> not that careful about it. We, we got sick every once in a while, but it wasn't that bad. That's a great point you make. Um, how much vitamin C did you take throughout the day, do you think, as a kid? Um, my family was a huge supporter of supplements, so I had a really, really unique story. I didn't think that this was very – I didn't know that this was so unique, but my grandfather, when my mom was a child in the 50s, uh, my grandfather worked for Solgar Vitamins. He was a security guard in the building. Oh, and uh, in New York City. And when they had extra surplus, they would just give them away. So my grandfather would come home with boxes, and this is in the 50s, boxes <laughs> and boxes of vitamins, vitamin C, minerals, where they didn't have synthetic ones. These were all naturally sourced. He would come home with them and like, I got these for free. Maybe we should take them. And my, my mom's family did. And she had an interesting story about how vitamin C cleared up her skin because she was she was a teenager and she, she started, she was an immigrant and she started drinking a lot of Coca-Cola because it was like the hip thing in the 50s, right? Um, <laughs> she was started breaking out. My grandfather said, well, stop drinking that crap and take some of these and see what happens. And she did and her skin cleared up. Wow. Um, my grandfather was kind of crazy with the vitamin C, but he lived until he was 99, bless him. And wow. he had the most beautiful skin ever. He had no wrinkles and he was 99. Um, I probably, I, I titrate. I, I try to find my appropriate level for when I'm not sick. So I take about three grams, 3,000 milligrams a day uh, on a maintenance level of vitamin C. If I'm sick, I, I take more than that. And I reach a point, I, I try to find the point at which it's no longer suitable. But my body usually uses it up. So I could take double that when I'm sick and, and I still don't get the, the worst thing that can happen to you if you take too much vitamin C is you get the runs. Mm-hmm. So I know if I get the runs and I've that I've hit my limit, but um, but I don't find that when I when I get sick I take more, and my body seems to use it up. Yeah. What was that? What was that? Sorry. What was the limit you said you go up to if you're sick? I can go up to six thousand 
six grams a day, six thousand milligrams, maybe seven. Okay, I've taken to... I've taken up to thirty thousand. Wow, shit. you've outdone me! Holy shit! Yeah. Well, no, I, I mean I take well. This is the thing. I was sick this whole past winter with like pneumonia, and it was like the worst thing I've ever had in my life. I was sick for a good month and a half, and I just got over it a couple of weeks ago. And so I'm looking up. I mean, I researched Linus Pauling and all those guys for yeah. years. Andrew, uh, uh, Andrew Saul. And I know they're huge. Like these guys take like they've taken hundreds of thousands of milligrams of vitamin C at different times. I just kind of was dabbling with it and, and, you know, just took it to because I had nothing else because I wasn't getting better. And I took uh, 30,000, 25,000 a day, 20,000 consistently. And then I kind of overcame it. The reason I asked you, though, about how much you took, you know, throughout your childhood, I have a nephew who keeps getting these really bad breakouts on his hand with eczema. Yeah. Like they're covering his entire hands and they're just like really like nasty looking and he's kind of getting self-conscious about it. He's only eight. Yeah. Um, but I was wondering like, you know, if the vitamin C might help or I'm trying to think of a remedy that might help him. And I got cats too, which is kind of funny because, you know, like I wonder if it would have been immune if he'd like lived here. But the fact that he just kind of comes sporadically if it's actually, you know, working opposite. That's really interesting because I actually had eczema around my mouth when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And it runs in my family, and I've I've done some research on it because um, I had it when I was a kid. Then I had it a little bit as a teenager. It kind of went away. Uh, my mom went to, sent me to the dermatologist. Do you know what they gave me? Mm, I don't want antibiotics. Know. Oh god, because <laughs> wow. they didn't know why it was there. They had no idea. But they and actually the antibiotics did work. But in like now, if I have any, I've never had it on my hands. It was um, around my mouth, strangely enough. Um, but I've researched other things that might help it, like calendula, like things that you can rub on your skin. Um, it's also, I've also uh, learned that sometimes it's an overload of your toxicity in your body that you just need to clean out a well, little bit. Well, f- first of all, if something is coming out of your skin, then there's something toxic in your body that is trying to come out. So you're right. Second of all, no dairy will clear up 85% of cases of eczema. This is like, you know, one of the secrets of that a lot of people are using to get rid of eczema is just giving up dairy completely and it yeah. goes away. Yeah. Mm, I, I, I firmly believe it. vitamin C, though. My grandfather also, um, he used to have arthritis. He had when he was still alive. He's passed. But when he had arthritis in his spine that was documented. And he started megadosing on vitamin C because he really believed it cured everything. He was a sweet little old immigrant <laughs> man. He, was, he thought it healed everything. He actually reversed his arthritis in his spine where he went back. And they took another x-ray and they said... Uh, your arthritis is gone. <laughs> so I don't think he was balancing out. Um, I think when you do megadose vitamin C, you need to make sure that you're getting enough minerals. But he, uh, that, was, that was his thing. He, and- well, it's very controversial, but they're using vitamin C to reverse cancer in human patients. And dogs. And dogs. And right now, as Susie mentioned, I am currently treating my dog Charlotte with intravenous vitamin C recommended by my vet. Um, rather than chemo sur- chemotherapy, radiation, or surgery, she's got some tumors. And so we're treating it that way. And she's, Susie, she looks like a million bucks. She looks great. She's fine. Yep. Wow. That is awesome. Justin, and yeah, th- I, 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 I'm sorry to interrupt. I love that you've, you, you've taken more vitamin C than I have. I've never, I haven't met very many people that have. <laughs> Justin will not get cancer. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was actually, I was thinking you were going to say some crazy number, like 100,000 or something. I didn't hear you because the thing got no, kind of went out of bad no, for a second. But no, no I mean, 
I think the maintenance dosage is actually the more important factor here. What do you, like I, what do you take I was, as a maintenance? So for so after that, for like the last probably three, four weeks now, I've been taking like steadily like three to five grams a day. Yeah. So I think that's a good maintenance. But I feel like good now that I've been taking the maintenance dosage. And um, I'm, gonna, I'm not, I'm not going to stop taking it out at this point because I feel like it's going to fight it off as opposed to like trying to beat it once you already have it. I think I'm going to up mine. I'm going to go to five and see what happens. I want to up mine just from this conversation. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> it's used in every – it's used in so many metabolic processes in your body. It's insane, especially for your immune system, especially for your – skin in so many th- like if you have to take if you had to choose i think just one supplement to take i mean i would take a multi too but like vitamin c is so phenomenal for a lot of stuff mm-hmm. i 100 percent agree absolutely and i th- I thank you guys for uh, giving me that um dairy suggestion too i was actually thinking that as well but i didn't know it cleared up 85 percent of eczema cases so i'm definitely going to try that out on my nephew I got this information from John Sally, NBA basketball player and vegan. He literally sat my assistant down after a shoot and they had taken a picture together and she didn't even say, hey, dude, I want your advice. They sat down and she, and he literally said to her, he's like, hey, you're cute. Your lips are messed up. Let me fix it for you. <laughs> Did he Get say off that? the dairy. He actually said <laughs> Have, have you met him? You know how he is. Yeah. I don't know if he said in those words, but he's blunt and to the point and like, I'm going to help you. You can listen or you can be stupid. Okay. <laughs> and sat her down and told her what to do. And I've, I've seen him and heard him do this on multiple occasions. And, you know, the research is there. Dairy causes a lot of inflammation. Inflammation causes disease. Inflammation causes skin outbreaks, whether it's eczema or acne. Are there other causes? Of course. Is this the only solution? No. Is it a great place to start? 100%. That's awesome. What, what would you though suggest if um, he? And that makes you know a hundred percent because he's big on drinking milk, and he's mm. actually he's a big kid, like a huge kid. I think has a large part to do with it. But what would you recommend for maybe sub uh, substituting the benefits he's getting from the milk and like you know helping him grow, aside from you know cutting it out completely and not getting that. Justin, don't hate me, but there are no benefits from dairy milk. Okay. Dairy milk is pus from a cow. Dairy milk is to make a young calf grow to a large calf. Therefore, all it is doing is causing inflammation in the body and causing weight gain in the person that is consuming it. So what we want to do, if, if you want if you want to build muscle, you want to avoid dairy. Look at all the plant-based vegans out there who are building more muscle than the people that are consuming large amounts of meat and dairy. Dairy, uh, read the book called Proteinaholic by Dr. Garth Davis. It's written by a male, by a doctor who used to be the pro-milk drinking athlete advocate who found out the truth and now prescribes to his patients and changes his patients lives by getting them off the dairy there is no benefit to cow dairy and and just just drinking a lot more water you know it's like we've um we always i think i think americans americans think they always need some sort of soft drink or juice or just drink some water or mineral water or flavored mineral water you know well you know what i also think you need to look at where your ancestors came from my ancestors were european if you look to where they you know where they came they come from you're going to find a better roadmap to your health. If you're a very mixed uh, blend of different ethnicities, you got to find what works for you. 
That's a that's a hell of a point too, yeah. Because most people don't think of you know what their ancestors are doing hundreds of thousands of years ago, and we all kind of develop from different parts of the world. So we're all gonna, you know, obviously people from Africa have darker skin. They also have different um, bone densities, and you know, people from Northern Europe had you know lighter skin and different kind of things that went along with them. And obviously that these genes that we have are different from person to person and from our ancestor to different ancestor. Yeah, well, I, you know, for myself, I would love to just be able to be vegetarian and I. I remember I dated a guy who was um, East Indian and and he was vegetarian and generations before him had been vegetarian and um, I felt differently when I when I ate like he did and you know his ancestors ate like that for a long time so I like I think you need to take that in consideration and find what works for you. Absolutely. So I think that was step number seven. Um, and yeah, we did get a little off track with the diet, but that's obviously one of the biggest ones there. So I'm kind of glad we did. Uh, step number seven is taking supplements when needed. Uh, a big supplement, like one of the best anti-depression supplements is magnesium. Magnesium, as you probably know, I mean, you guys are huge on vitamin C, which I'm really kind of stoked about because not too many people know about it. But um, <laughs> magnesium is another sort of super mineral that works in so many, I think it's over 300 processes in the body and um, plays a huge role in depression and um, regulating, again, those neurotransmitters, the feel-good hormones in your body, giving you more serotonin, um, dopamine, those things that are going to make you feel better. And actually, uh, there's been studies as well to say that magnesium alone is is more effective than a lot of the antidepressants out there. Um, B-complex is another good sort of general vitamin to take. And all these ones, by the way, that I mentioned are very, very safe. Like there's practically no side effects, any of these things, as opposed to taking um, prescription drugs. So B-complex, you know, you have your B12, your B6, your niacin, which is huge in and of itself. Niacin has been studied by guys like Abra, Abraham Hoffer um, for its its benefits in the brain. And actually, there's a lot of research out there right, right now that's talking about it potentially being a treatment for Parkinson's and actually Alzheimer's disease because that's how effective niacin is, is in the brain. So a B-complex in general, like a B50, a B100 is going to be very effective for uh, regulating your brain functions. Uh, vitamin D, which in, you know, northern uh, northeastern America, you know, the part where I'm from, Boston, we have this thing called uh, winter, which hits us every year. <laughs> winter? And, uh, what is that? We're in California. <laughs> you remember what that is. North Carolina. Stan, what's snow? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's where the uh, the sun goes away for like four months and you don't uh, see any day pretty much. And that honestly, I think it had a reason to, to do with why I, I got sick this past winter because I didn't get enough sunlight like I usually do. And, you know, vitamin D again, it's actually, it acts like a hormone in the body. And again, this regulates so many processes in the body, um, especially your, your uh, neurotransmitters. And um, again, that's why people get seasonal depression if they don't have enough vitamin D. The winter months over here, I'm always taking uh, vitamin D. I'll take anywhere between uh, three to 5,000 IUs a day of vitamin D. Um, and again, this is very safe. It's it's nothing that you wouldn't get just standing out in the sunlight for 15 to 20 minutes in a you know regular summer or spring day. Um, then you get some other ones that are um, herbs that... Um, you know, probably aren't as safe, like 100% safe as, as these vitamins and minerals I mentioned and fish oil. Um, but they're also very, they are very, very safe, like 10 times or 100 times more safe than, say, a prescription drug. But something you definitely want to check out with your doctor before you just jump in and start taking them. But valerian root, 
Uh, Sam E, St. John's Wort, and 5-HTP are, are some of the big ones to take um, and, and can actually, again, be as effective as antidepressants and, and generally a lot more safe at the end of the day. I need to share a story. So when I was on antidepressants, I had an, I, I took Effexor XR, first of all, and it was- Me actually, too! You did? Yes! Oh! It made me have no feelings. I had no sex drive. I had oh. <laughs> I had no sex drive. My boyfriend did not like that. So then I tried Wellbutrin. And I nearly had, I had some sort of freak out on it. And then I called my very sedated uh, psychopharmacologist at the time. And he said, well, that's obviously not the drug for you. And I said, no kidding. Get me <laughs> off of this. So I went back to the Effexor XR where I had no sex drive and eventually kind of leveled out. And I wasn't on it for, for too long. But I remember I, I, I'm actually from New York, Justin. So I went home for Christmas one and I forgot my medication. <laughs> Oops. Um, I was have I was experiencing what I can only describe as lightning storms in my brain. Yep. Where I'd walk wow. down the street and mm-hmm. all of a sudden, and I didn't do this on purpose. I was faithfully taking my medication, and some for some reason left it in California. And I would be walking down the street and would all of a sudden like it, would, it was like a lightning storm in my brain. I was like, this isn't normal. I need to fix this immediately. And so I, I called my doctor and and got an emergency prescription. But I can say I've taken all of the herbs that you just mentioned. I've never experienced anything even close to that response with valerian with 5-htp with um any of the other herbs you mentioned of uh, st john's wort so it's amazing the the perspective that we have in this country where we're like yes this is fine and and i for one day for one day didn't have my yep. dose yep. and experienced this really surreal kind of intrapersonal uh thunderstorm in my brain yeah. it was very strange Ali, mm-hmm. you've experienced something similar? Yes. Okay. So this is a lot of information that I'm excited and embarrassed to share. But Ooh, I was we don't like, get these often. <laughs> I was like 22. It's uh, it's like 2004 or something, and my mom had just died. My boyfriend and I had broken up, and he got the dog. <gasps> Can you imagine the level of depression? No. Okay? Why did he get the dog? This is. <laughs> This is because he was the one who had picked her up and adopted her, even though we lived together with the dog. Okay. Long story short, I, Allie, was depressed. And this is pre-Food Heals Allie, who had any knowledge of nutrition, of superfoods, of supplements. I didn't know what a supplement was. I thought that was woohoo, witchy bullshit. Okay. North Carolina. So um, I went to the doctor and I was like, I don't know. Something's wrong. I'm sad. I don't feel well. He's like, you have depression. Here's a Fexor, just like you said, Susie. So this is also around the time, early 20s, when I'm just discovering alcohol. Okay, Say that loud. I don't think they heard you. Alcohol. Alcohol. <laughs> so I would drink and I would black out. And I thought that drinking made everyone black out. So I would be like, hey, let's get blackout to my friends. I would take a Fexor, have a drink or two, and not remember a cuss-cuss thing. Okay. I don't know if I can I felt bad cussing in front of Justin. I don't know why. All right. This is our taping. We're taping his next. I know. I know. This isn't his episode. I know we're going to record with Justin, but I was trying to be conscientious. Justin, we curse all, or at least I do. I curse all the time. I'm a New Yorker. You get it. A little bit. Oh, that's um, all right. (laughs) I would black out and I did not realize that this was not normal you guys and then the depression 
was never healed. No. It just made me like a sociopath who didn't care about anyone you or anything. So I can't imagine you were a sociopath. Fine. Can but I, I was can I, not the person. Can know, I ask okay. you a question though? Yeah. Did it like, did it like, um, the lows weren't as low in the high and you didn't have high, the lows weren't as low. Susie, I didn't but care were- about anything. Okay. I just didn't care. <laughs> and if anyone- For me, the lows weren't as low, but my boyfriend at the time was like, you still don't smile. And I was like, oh, oh yeah. I can't imagine you not smiling. No, I was bad. I was bad. I was clinically depressed. No, I was too. That's why talking to Justin to me, and also from a guy's perspective, is so interesting because, and so many people suffer from it. And, and, so, and, and there's a lot that you can do to help yourself. It's not your fault. There's a lot that goes into it. And the only answer isn't just drugs. No, and oh, and that's what I was going to say about the side effects. Side note is that just like you, I experienced extreme withdrawal symptoms when I didn't take it. And I went from just two hours away, I went from Wilmington to Chapel Hill without the pills, forgot them, to have a weekend in Chapel Hill with my friends. And I was experiencing extreme nausea and dizziness to the point where I couldn't walk without having vertigo. And I thought, something's wrong with me. Like, I have a disease. Like, what is happening? Which, if it completely reversed your depression, if you were like flying high, walking on rainbows, then who cares? But <laughs> no, I was depressed not, and I couldn't walk. <laughs> that's not what I had. And I couldn't drive home. And so just like you, I had to get a prescription in that neighbor, in that town yeah, yeah. and whatever. The point is, is that Susie, Justin and I do not believe that antidepressants are the answer Yes, we know that sometimes drugs may be necessary, but sometimes in general, they can help you over the hump. But they're not the end all. In be all. general, take your herbs, eat your kale, drink your green juice, and you will balance out, and, and you exercise. will be happy, and forgive yourself, and have gratitude for what's good in your life. Justin, hey, do we he- still have another step? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do. We got to actually. There's there's two more steps. Two if more. You wanna... Yeah. So so step number eight is. Um, socializing like a lot of people when they have depression um, they're down on themselves or even anxiety like we mentioned they don't want to talk to other people they don't want to make friends they don't want to go out and socialize and do the things they need to do to actually connect with other people because I think it's honestly one of the biggest human needs that we have as human beings we need to connect with other people we need to socialize we need to feel connected and um, especially now too in you know 2017 in this day and age where we have Facebook and social media um, it's so easy to pretend like we're connected or pretend like we have so many friends or pretend like we're socializing but it's really kind of a facade and there's nothing like going and, and actually talking to someone in person and uh, making a real friendship or a real connection with somebody in person. And, you know, when you do this, when you get out of your head, when you make friends, when you build relationships, there's something to that. It's just like kind of an innate desire that we all need. And I think getting over that can help us tremendously with with really conquering and over depression. I know for me personally, connecting with other people, making friends, socializing, getting, getting out of my shell, so to speak, was huge and, and very instrumental and in, in finally being able to kind of get over that depression hump I had. I love that, Justin, and I, I agree. And even as, um, you know, I consider myself an introvert that has to turn extrovert as needed for the podcast for parties things like that i'm shaking my head right now because the girl i know as alice and melody i'm like you're an introvert yeah come on i am (laughs) come on i am no and um, that's that's the thing is that i have to find the energy to put it on and as one of those people 
a lot of people who are introverts suffer from depression because they don't understand why it's so easy for extroverts to be social and to be in community and to be in those situations without anxiety. And that was a, I read a book um, years ago about this. And there's a lot of articles online like, are you a social introvert trying to be extrovert? And I'm like, yes, but it makes you feel better. And you know, the blue zones, you guys, where people mm-hmm. live, you know, well mm-hmm. into their hundreds. Yeah. That's one of their tenants, Justin, is community. Yeah, they don't live by themselves. They're never isolated. It's multi-generational yeah. families. They live you know, yes. like Okinawa and Santorini, and there, maybe there's one in Greece, and um, they don't they don't isolate. Yeah, there's tons of community, and I I totally understand what um, what or relate to what Justin was saying because when I was depressed, you isolate I had, yourself. You isolate yourself because you feel like shit, mm-hmm. and you don't want to go out and you don't have to talk to people. And there was a point at which I forced myself to, and I. Even though I was like, oh, this isn't real. I'm not being genuine. But once I realized that there are other people out there suffering from the same stuff, yeah, also feeling kind of crappy about themselves, but it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And it was a slow process for me. That, that step in my overcoming depression and anxiety and my mental stuff where really connecting to people. And I'll do it sometimes even to this day where it's with a waiter or someone I'm, I'm, you know, checking me out at the convenience store or someone I have a, a quick passing with, but I connect with them. I look them in the eye. I ask them how their day is going. Even if it's somebody like AT&T service on the phone, I still, am, <laughs> <laughs> I had to do this the other day. And before I go into my launching into my rant about why I'm unhappy, I'll be like, how are you? Because A, Good for you. It helps me with, because then they kind of um, commiserate with me or they, they feel like they're, it helps my cause. But at the same time, it's really nice to, every time you have a, a human connection, no matter what, no matter with if it's someone that you really like or someone that you don't or representing a company that's wronged you or whatever, it they're still just people. And when you connect with them on a real level, even if you don't get what you want at the end of the day, it's you can still um, have that connection and it's rewarding i know and then the other thing you guys is that a lot of times let's say you enter a party or something and you think everyone's different from me and then you find that commonality in one person or you think everyone's judging me or whatever this is what a lot of introverts or you know just people in depression or anxiety do to themselves they say i'm not good enough everyone here is better than me whatever this is what we tell ourselves and so You walk into that party and you finally do it. And then what happens is all those veils are lifted. Yeah. You start actually having a conversation. Because it's false beliefs. Yeah. You're like, oh, we have A and we both knit. We both have fathers from this (laughs) one town in random Indiana. Like you just start having commonalities. Well, you connect. You connect. Exactly. But if we don't feel that connection, we feel isolated and depressed. Right, Justin? Yeah, absolutely. And, and you're right too. It's, it's definitely a lot smaller world than we think it is. Like you meet somebody at a party, um, you know, the next thing you know, you're talking about how you were both from whatever town, um, that no one even knew about except for you two. And it's like, wow, that's so cool. Like, I didn't even know that anyone even knew about this place. And you know, you're from there too. Like, well, and then the next thing you know, you're having a great conversation and connecting with that person. Um, you know, just kind of you know, when you said the other story it reminded me too of um don't you just hate when you're on the phone with someone like your um phone service and you're pissed off and you're like all angry you're about to yell at them 
and they're like the nicest person in the world. They completely, <laughs> I they completely do, switch your mood around. <laughs> I want to do a, a Allison. Let's take note. I want to do a, a, an episode just on that. Okay. Just on how you can connect with service people because I've I used to be so angry. I used to be so irate. I used to be just kind of even just even from a depressed place of even having to make that goddamn call about why yeah. have I been charged fifty dollars more than I should be <laughs> or why this what is this or when you come at even if you're depressed it, it's actually a <laughs> kind of a conduit. It's like when you look at every opportunity, whether you're going out to a restaurant. And this is going to be hard because like when I was depressed, I isolated. I stayed yeah. at home. I'm like, my couch and my bed are fine. And I don't need to go. I can order food in. I don't need to deal with anybody. <laughs> but it's actually very helpful to connect with people, even if everybody, and I, I felt like this at one point in my life where everybody, my friends and family, I just didn't connect to them. It was easier to connect to strangers because mm-hmm. you can do it on a very superficial level and it can be fast, like waiters or waitresses or bartenders or delivery people or AT&T service people you know whatever it it, it's it was a very funny process for me but I remember that very um distinctly it's like I found a connection I could make someone laugh that I didn't I wasn't necessarily working to try to get them on my side I was trying to connect with them and then that got them on my side and then they helped me and removed the extra fifty dollars that I didn't need to pay I it was kind that. of it was kind of they're, liber- they're just, just liberating. Like, they're just doing their job they on the are. other side of the they phone. When they're not the reason yeah. that AT and T charges too much. But finding that commonality in any circumstance yeah. got me through um, a false belief that kept me in my isolative depression. Mm-hmm. Whereas I'm mm-hmm. I'm separate. I'm I'm not yeah. as good as. And yeah. it kind of like it taught me a skill where I could just connect with people. I love that. Mm-hmm. You want to know what one of the best things in the world is? Like the greatest treasure in the world? Sex. Yeah. Is when you, <laughs> beside, beside that, I mean, that is a treasure. To be Number two. Yeah. Uh-huh. But the second treasure, the second greatest treasure in the world is when you can make someone genuinely smile or laugh. It yeah. really is incredible. Like the feeling you get when, you, when you're communicating with someone that effectively and they're kind of, you know, it's engaging with it's you. That's why I make my silly comments because I try to make Allie laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I and just she, did it again. She does it effectively all the time, <laughs> Food Heals Nation. Ab- no, it's totally true. Absolutely. I agree, Justin. All right, so the last one. This is the final step, guys. Step number nine to overcoming depression is finding a purpose in life. And this one, I mean, this can be anything. This can be a hobby. This can be a passion. This can be a career change. This can be going after something you've been putting off for years and you always wanted to try. But finding a purpose, finding what you wanted to do or what you want to do for so many for so long for so many years and then going after it like getting out of bed people who are depressed they roll out of bed they're groggy they it takes them an hour to get out of bed half hour to get out of bed they you know put on the tv roll around a few more times and then you know finally they they drag themselves out of bed someone who has a purpose someone who's motivated in the day ahead and what they want to do for that day they're going to jump out of bed they're going to be excited they're going to be reinvigorated every single morning that they get up and finding a purpose is a game changer when it comes to depression. Finding something that you want to live for, that's something you value, that's something you have a huge goal about doing or overcoming. This is what pushes people. This is what makes people happy. And I think it's what life is all about. And someone who's depressed needs to find this because typically they don't have it in their life. And do you think that this can change? Like if you decide on one and then later you're like, Ugh, I don't yeah, know about that I, anymore. 
Absolutely. This can change at any moment. It's just finding something right now. Um, or, you know, for some people, it's having multiple things that they're passionate about. It's having multiple hobbies or multiple activities they like to do or groups they like to partake in, um, you know, signing up for a, a dance class or an acting class or yoga or a spin class, whatever it is, like something that excites you and that gets you passionate about life. That's really what it's all about. And I think so many of these people that are depressed, and I know me personally, I had nothing um, back then to look forward to every day. And I was just kind of like dragging my feet every day. Um, it wasn't until I kind of decided that I wanted to do what I'm doing now with my life with the Elite Man magazine and all this other stuff that I found something I was passionate about. This whole self-help thing, this personal development thing, that's my passion in life. That's what I get excited about every day. Um, and, you know, it just happens to be that it's my occupation now. It's helping other guys, um, you know, do this stuff and kind of improve their lives. But it's what I love to do, and, and it's what kind of, you know, gets me to jump out of bed every day. And what made you make that leap from your own personal struggle to getting out of bed to actually wanting to help other people? Um, just making the leap, I think, came from, other people asking me or, or realizing, kind of um, looking at me differently and realizing that I'd made so many changes personally and kind of, you know, the the complete 180 that my life had become over the last, um, you know, couple of years at that point. And, um, you know, and, and one of the big things too, I mean, I started off as a dating advice guy. Um, one of the big things too is, you know, I'd go out with a buddy of mine and, you know, we'd go out to, um, you know, an event or we'd go out to the, I think we were actually, you know, 20 at the time. Um, so we were going to the bar underage for like a year or so, but you know, we'd go out to the bar and I'd, I'd be talking to a bunch of girls and just, you know, hanging out with girls and enjoying myself and having great conversations. And like I said, making them laugh and seeing that and seeing the kind of the, the change, the dramatic change and shift I'd made in my life was real eye opening to a lot of the people who knew me for a number of years and knew me as being a shy, quiet, introverted, um, and then depressed kid. So, um, you know, when they started asking me for advice and asking me what I did, it was like, wow, these guys have a lot of these problems too. I didn't even realize they were kind of as bad as me. I want to help them out. And I started helping them out. And it was like, you know, just as rewarding as kind of beating these problems again. It was almost like I got to kind of face these things again and kind of overcome them again. And that, that feeling was just, uh, incredible. So what's your best pickup line? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I was like, oh, Justin, I can't wait to talk to you more about this. And she's she goes for the pickup line. What is it? <laughs> Susie, you can't always be the comic relief. No, I can't. I can't. I'm going to step back. What is the... Okay, Justin, answer the question. <laughs> what what um, would always work or what is a technique that would always work? So the best pickup line is obviously, you know, I'll, I'll just kind of use the uh, prototypical dating advice. It's It's honestly, though, to not use a pickup line. It's to, you know, if you see somebody at the bar, you see somebody out... Um, it's actually to get their attention first. So like make eye contact with them, um, some, give them a smile. If they smile back, then that's your, you know, cue to go in and, you know, introduce yourself. And it's, it's literally just, um, you know, saying, Hey, what's up? My name's Justin, blah, 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 blah. Like you don't want to be super pickupy. You don't want to be over the top. You don't want to say something, you know, really stupid. It's just really being kind of grounded and um relaxed and, and confident and, and, yeah relaxed confident and genuine like be confident when you go up there um but also be yourself like you don't have to pretend to be somebody else um and, and then a good thing too like i said is, is just making some kind of eye contact first or maybe 
getting close to that person where that they're, you know, in vicinity of you and they can kind of, you know, look over and see you before you approach. Cause I think approaching from behind or approaching when someone's not ready, you know, tends to kind of not really go well in, in guy's favor. <laughs> Don't approach from behind is the takeaway lesson from that. That's very <laughs> funny. It's very true though. I love it. <laughs> what if I'm too drunk to make eye contact? Will you still come over if you feel the vibe? How, well, drunk, that- how drunk would you have to be to not make eye like falling on the floor? No, you just didn't notice. You're just in your own world. You're like dancing to the music. I don't know. I'm trying to make up a hypothetical (laughs) scenario. I'm assuming we're in a bar or a club. We don't have to be. We could be in a library. You you don't need eye contact. It's just kind of an easier way to to do it. But I mean, if if you're if you're drink if there's a girl drinking, um, she's probably going to be a lot you know very receptive. She's actually well, it's either going to go one or two ways. She's either going to tell you to get the hell out of there and she she doesn't want anything to do with you, or she's going to be really open and you know kind of be uh, willing to meet you. So it'll be easier or um, I guess a lot harder either way. But <laughs> that is true. That is yeah. what we do. We're either like goodbye or hello. I will say this, when I've been approached by sometimes by guys that I wouldn't necessarily have been like across from the across the room been like that guy, I want I want to talk to him. But like when I've been approached where the guy just was kind of like relaxed and confident, didn't care, was just kind of saying, "Hey," kind of made me put my guard down versus yeah. The kind of crazy pickup line or the stupid shit that they might, the antics. I don't know. I've, all women have experienced some kind of weird stuff, but it's like when it's normal and casual, it's much more fun. You don't care as much. There's not as much riding on it. No. And the funny thing is, is that we're both married and Susie, I don't want to speak for you, but I think this happens to you too, where you will be hit on as a married woman in a public place. It happens, right? Either they see the ring and they don't care or they don't see the ring. And so the only people... It's been people... like kryptonite. I have not been hit on since I've been married. <laughs> Susie. <laughs> swear to God, I have not... Been, I think once when I didn't wear it. Even when we went to that party and you were like in that hot dress. When Mike was the there. Golden Globes. Yeah, but I'm hit on in front of Dan all the time. I was not, no. No, it's kryptonite. Why am I putting out the single energy <laughs> in your not. Wow. Okay. Go all on. You had a story and a is... point. It is very, very obvious when you're being hit on and it's a complete turnoff. But if someone just starts a conversation with me about something that they somehow know that I care about, whether it's because we have mutual friends and they know, or they they picked up something about me in a public place, then I actually have a conversation because I think, oh, we're just talking. And I don't even realize that I'm being hit on. But I respect that. That's what I respect. Yeah. In terms of, and if I was single, I'd be like, all right, cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I respect it's sort of it when it's, it's sort not... of a soft approach as opposed to the coming on really strong. And you know what I mean? Like where I experienced that more in my early 20s. Where, when, and then when guy, and then we got, as I got older and the kind of guys that would hit on me got older, it's like they kind of learned to smooth out a little <laughs> bit, not, not come in so strong, not come in so top gun. So, you know, just kind of like, you know, make conversation and see how it went, not, right. not be so all or nothing. All right, yeah. Justin, tell us more about you, where everyone can find you online, stalk you on Twitter, follow you on Facebook and listen to your podcast. <laughs> so, yeah, if you guys are, um, you know, want to check out more about some of the work I do, um, it's EliteManMagazine.com. Uh, you can find me on Facebook or Twitter at Justin Centrum. And uh, the podcast is Elite Man Podcast. You can just search that in iTunes and uh, hopefully uh, subscribe to the show if you like it. 
Yeah, definitely. And we have some mutual friends I see. And some we've had some of the same people on our podcast. So who is your and I know you do a lot more business than we do. We do a little bit of business. We love talking about entrepreneurship. But in general, can you tell our listeners who are food heels, they're health entrepreneurs in a lot of cases, what is one or two of your favorite interviews that have to do with health or entrepreneurship? Um, Robert Green sticks out for me, the guy who wrote the uh, 48 Laws of Power. Is a mm-hmm. really, really genuine guy and just... Um, I mean, he's he's like a megastar in like the self-help world, but he was just a really great, genuine guy. And we talked for like an hour about all sort all sorts of self-help stuff and mastery. And then another one that kind of sticks out um, is one I did sort of recently with Boss Rutten. He was a former uh, UFC heavyweight champion, and another just really, I mean, he's probably the most entertaining guy I've ever interviewed. Just mm. everything he says is just like you know so exciting and entertaining. He has so much energy and the stories he was telling from like behind the scenes UFC stuff and, um, you know, what he's doing now and stuff. He was really, really cool dude. And those are a couple of guys that stick out. All right. Thanks so much. And can you leave us with a tweetable? So self-hypnosis can help you overcome anxiety, depression, and your biggest fears. I love it. Go to Elite Man Magazine to find out how. If you like that, tweet it to Justin at Elite Man Mag. Tweet it to us at Food Heals Nation. Use the hashtag Food Heals Podcast so we can see your posts. Justin, it's been a pleasure. So great to have you on. Thank you, Justin. Thanks so much, Allison and Susie. I had a blast. For all the show notes from today's show, go to foodhealsnation.com. Also at foodhealsnation.com, you'll find all our discount codes. Hey, Allie, are you social? I'm social. Let's talk on social. Okay. Make sure to join our Food Heals Nation Facebook group at foodhealsgroup.com where you can connect with other Food Heals listeners, ask questions, add value, and of course, we've got Tribe Building Tuesday to help you build your business and your personal relationships, and we've got Self Promotion Saturday where you can post your links to your business, your blog, your recipes, your healing story, anything you want. And of course, you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash foodhealsnation. And we're on Twitter and Instagram at foodhealsnation. And you can follow my personal adventures at Allison Melody TV. For all the show notes, go to foodhealsnation.com. See you next time, Food Heals Nation. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Side effects of this podcast may include increased health and vitality, thoughts of living longer, developing a more positive outlook on life. In rare cases, women have experienced a strong desire to change their status update from hashtag blessed to hashtag OMG even more blessed than yesterday, hashtag loving life. If you experience any of these symptoms, make sure to tweet a Kardashian immediately.